All right, we're finishing up hymn 97 this evening. We went over these on Sunday, but not on Wednesday yet. <coughs> got stanza four and stanza five of the last of our Lenten hymns. Stanza four. Thus might I hide my blushing face. Thus might I hide my blushing face. While his dear cross appears. While his dear cross appears. So what about this blushing? What do you, what do you, why do you blush? Yeah? Shame. Shame? Embarrassed? Absolutely. Um, what is the um, shame? What? Blushing when I see the cross? My sins put him there, and so it is a reminder even of my sins, for uh, that is why uh, he died. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness. Dissolve my heart. And melt my eyes to tears. And melt my eyes to tears. All right, so now it speaks not of shame and, and blushing, but thankfulness. What's it going to do? Dissolve my heart. Break it apart. Why? It's, stone. it's a heart of stone, and it needs, it's a stony heart. It's stuck in its ways, um, and that is in its sin. And so it is hard. It's not receptive, uh, you might say, fleshy and, and welcome to the love of Christ or to his teaching or to his uh, saving even. And so dissolve my heart, um, break it down. So that what? Thankfulness. Wow, we're still looking at the cross. What are we thankful for now? Yes, the sins that put me there made me ashamed, but because he's there, my sins are taken away. This is out of thankfulness. I look at that and I, I see the love of God. I need not have shame. And so uh, the gospel, uh, similar to a, uh, a, a card game in which you might lie down the same card, but if it's the trump card, it trumps it. It goes over it. And so the gospel always trumps the law. The law has its place, and it says it, but the gospel has the last word. The gospel overcomes it. And so, and melt my eyes uh, to tears, tears of, of thankfulness uh, for what he has done. Five, but tears of grief cannot repay. But tears of grief cannot repay. The debt of love I owe. The debt of love the Lord has provided, and yet uh, we then are indebted to him. Could we pay that debt? No. Um, he had to do it for us. He gave his life for us. Uh, we have only one life. We can't even offer that uh, uh, to him. And so it says we cannot. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Here, Lord, I give myself away. 
It's all that I can do. It's all that I can do. And so in the scriptures, it talks about our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, or uh, then uh, in response to him who gave his life for us, that we might, uh, in sacrifice, give our life out of love to others. Um, never being able to repay, but, but we do it out of, out of thankfulness. All right? Stanza four and five. Thus might I hide my blushing face while this dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. The tears of grief cannot repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. All right, we're in our Christian questions with their answers. For those who intend uh, to come to the sacrament, we're on page 307, if you want to follow along. Uh, we're on question number 17. We're to the end. Um, we're told that we were convinced to believe that Jesus has saved us. Uh, why? Because of the gospel because of the words instituting the sacrament and because of his body and blood given us as a pledge in the sacrament. Question number 17. What motivated Christ to die and make full payment for your sins? Repeat after me. His great love for the, his father. His great love for his father. And for me and other sinners. His great love for his Father and for me and other sinners. His great love for his Father and for me and other sinners. As it is written in John 14, Romans 5. As it is written in John 14, Romans 5. Galatians 2 and Ephesians 5. Galatians 2 and Ephesians 5. We'll sing songy voice, we'll help you... Uh, remember those. As it is written in John 14, Romans 5, Galatians 2, and Ephesians 5. As it is written in John 14, Romans 5, Galatians 2, and Ephesians 5. All right. Motivation. Christ did it, yes? Unwillingly? No, not at all. Um, so, why did he do it? Great love. Great love. First of all, his great love for his father. Who's his father? God, our heavenly father, absolutely. Um, and so, as we talk about the three persons of the Trinity, uh, they are in perfect agreement, uh, for they are one God. And so they share in the, in, in the will and, and, and the goal and what they want to do. Now, it reveals to us that 
that they, uh, the, only the Son comes and dies for us, and not the Father or the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, we know it is the Father that sent his Son. The Son uh, uh, willingly goes on our behalf. Uh, why? Because uh, he too shares the love of the Heavenly Father. His great love for me and other sinners. He loves us. He wants us to be with him. He desires that those whom he has created in his own image, uh, that we might be with him. I would say in the very same way that, that you might speak of your own child that is born, that is, that is created in your image. And so you say, that is my child, the child who has gone away. I, I want him to come back. That's what the Heavenly Father wants. And, and Jesus himself uh, uh, supports that and says, yes, I desire, I love them. Yes, they have sinned. Yes, they can't and, and have not been able to return. No way. Uh, so therefore, I will come. I will do it for them. Uh, and so... Uh, he does. What does he do? He dies, and in that way, the full payment price that is needed for our return uh, has been granted. Uh, he now invites us to believe in him that we might receive those benefits. Um, it's listed in here, several places in which you can go. Um, and, and I would say, even as we have kind of worked through a, a book of the Bible on Sunday mornings, worked through the book of Galatians, you can see how Galatians 2 would, would support this uh, particular uh, uh, reference uh, that his great love for his Father and for me and other sinners. Question 18. Finally, why do you wish to go to the sacrament? Repeat after me. That I may learn to believe that Christ, out of great love, died for my sin, that I may learn to be, believe that Christ, out of great love, died for my sin, and also learn from him, and also learn from him to love God and my neighbor. And also learn from him to love God and my neighbor. And also learn from him to love God and my neighbor. It doesn't just say believe. What does it say? That I may learn to believe. Hmm. Why does it say that? Yeah, Brian. I'll say it a little louder so I can get it. That is true. And so exercise, as you would say, we have to exercise these skills that we have um, in the very same way. Yes, the Lord has told us. And yes, you might say, I believe. Well, of course you ought to come. But why? <laughs> I might learn to believe. What else? Because on my own, I cannot believe. Say it. Because I have to have God's help to believe. Yes. Um, the repetition. You can never fully understand God's love. I mean, we, we, we say we do, 
I need the continual lesson. I need the continual teaching, the continual reminding, the continual, why? Um, because yes, I'm a sinner and I would throw this all off or I would, in great affliction, I would doubt it. Yeah, I've heard it all my life. And yes, when we fall into affliction, we don't remember. Um, when we fall into those emergencies and those things, what do, what do I do, what do I do? Um, that I might continually learn to believe that Christ, out of great love, died for my sin. Not just for others, not just for a group of people over there. He died for me. That is faith. That is the trust that the Lord desires that we would have. In addition to that, you wish to go to the sacrament, that I, and also learn from him to love God and my neighbor. All right, so it's time for uh, Lord's Supper. Sometimes people say, well, uh, I, I, I know I get up, I know I come down, I know I, I, I go back, but um, sometimes I see, Pastor, I see people bow their heads uh, in prayer, either going up or, or, or coming back. Um, you know, are, are there things that I'm supposed to be doing in connection, in connection with this? Well, in the going up, that is, in the preparation for receiving Lord's Supper, one, we need to know that we are a sinner because here is forgiveness being given out. And so we need to know, as it says here, that Christ died for my sins and the Lord is giving me forgiveness. So it would seem that our preparatory or that which is preparing us, actually the service itself has done that already, but that we might take a moment to go, okay, what sins uh, uh, can I remember this week that I might uh, uh, know that Christ is forgiving? Uh, I might ask the Lord that he might uh, forgive me these sins or, or help me in these sins. And so to come forward in that, there might be a, a, a prayer spoken. Having received Lord's Supper, you've now been forgiven. Uh, your slate has been wiped clean. And so you come to sit down. You might pray at this point that with the forgiveness of sins, you might ask him to help you what? In love towards your neighbor, uh, in your uh, relationship towards God, that he might help you to well, do the prayers uh, that you wish to do, to follow in the devotions that, that you have set out, that I might not just be selfish, but that I might look for opportunities to love uh, my neighbor, uh, that I might not heart, steal, covet, you know, all, all of the things that, that is there. And so in that way, you would say, coming forward, asking for forgiveness, going away, saying, all right, Lord, now that I have received this, um, I ask that you would help me in love of God and love of my neighbor. Question number 19. What should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently? Answer. First, both the command and the promise of Christ the Lord. First, both the command and the promise of Christ the Lord. 
Second, his own pressing need. Second, his own First, both the command and promise of Christ the Lord. Second, his own pressing need. First, both the command and promise of Christ the Lord. Second, his own pressing need. Because of which, the command, encouragement, and promise are given. Because of which, the command, encouragement, and promise are given. The command. What should admonish us to receive this Frequently. Well, why would you want to take it frequently? First, it says the command. What is that? It is in there. The command comes actually just a little bit before it. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. Do this. What does the Lord want? It done. He says, do this. Um, he wants his church to do it. He wants us to receive it. This is his command. Uh, it, it sounds so simple. I, I remember at one point Luther says, the Lord didn't say, don't do this. He didn't forbid us. And you kind of go, I guess that's right. He didn't say, avoid this. You would think the Lord said, avoid it. No, he said, do this. Simple command. Do we wish to obey our Lord? Absolutely. This is our master. Now, um, we would expect for the Lord to tell us, uh, um, I want you to uh, uh, dig ditches um, in the rain, you know, with, with a small spade. And you would go, oh, well, the Lord has told me to do it, you know, and it's my duty, I have to do it because the Lord commanded. Well, he didn't actually command that. What does he command here? To do this, what is that? To remember a sacrifice. To receive the benefits of that sacrifice. To have the forget. The Lord didn't command a great and difficult thing. In this words, he simply commands us to receive his forgiveness. And yet, do this. So, we got the command of our Lord. That should make me want to do this frequently because I know this is pleasing and the Lord wants it done. The command, and then it says, both the command and the promise. What's the promise? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Absolutely. He promises his own body and blood, which is not an uh, ineffective Thing, and it's something that works great uh, uh, in us. And so we, uh, uh, we have God's promise concerning this, what he's giving out. And second, he says, his own pressing need. What is our pressing need? Yes, forgiveness of sins. We see our sins all the time. That's our need. We go, oh, I got these sins. I got your rest. Yeah, your own pressing need ought to, ought to say, oh, isn't there forgiveness being given out? And the Lord says, yes, right here. And so he is giving it. Because of which the command, the encouragement, and the promise are given. Question 20. But what should you do if you're not aware of this need and have no hunger and thirst 
for the sacrament. So you, you don't realize your uh, sins. Does that ever happen? You don't realize your sins? Hmm? What? All the time. Um, why is it when it's time for confession, you go, okay, God, I can't think of anything. Oh, but boy, I hope that she's praying, because she could use it. Well, ah, um, I can't remember my sins. Um, and so I am extremely happy when someone points out my sins, right? No. Um, but I ought to be, because if I'm having trouble, it would be a good idea that I would learn this. Um, what should you do if you're not aware of this need? Not aware of this need. And thus, if you're not aware of your need, then, well, I don't have any hunger or thirst. I don't have any great desire to receive uh, this sacrament. Repeat after me. To such a person, no better advice can be given than this. First, he should touch his body. To see if he still has flesh and blood. Then he should believe what the scriptures say of it. In Galatians 5 and Romans 7. So Luther says, if you don't know that you're a sinner and you don't have any need, uh, uh, see any pressing need to come forward for it, uh, then he says, the first thing you do is to touch your body. Why? Yep. If you don't, well, maybe you've already gone to heaven. Because in heaven, guess what? No sins. And so Luther says, let's check and make sure. Maybe you're in heaven and you didn't know it. And so check your body and see. Do you have flesh and blood? Yes, I do. Well, then you're not in heaven yet. And guess what? What do you think the scriptures say of those who have flesh and blood? I'm pretty sure it's going to say something about you being sinful. <laughs> it definitely says, you still got sins and you are still sinful. And so, absolutely. Um, this would be your first, uh, first check. Um, you know, you wouldn't expect Luther to get sarcastic a bit at points, would you? Um, yeah, exactly. Second, he should look around to see whether he is still in the world. And remember that there will be no lack of sin and trouble. As the scriptures say in John 15, And 16. and 16. I don't think I say and in this one. Now I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I've recited this one. Um, it says in John 15 through 16. I just don't remember how. I, I always want to say it the same way so that I keep it in my memory. Um, as the script. What now? I'm going to have to write it. <laughs> in say John 15 and 16. And in 1 John 2 and 5, 
and in first John, John 2 and 5. As the scriptures say in John 15 and 16 and in 1 John 2 and 5. As the scriptures say in John 15 and 16 and in 1 John 2 and 5. All right, so second thing you ought to do is look around. What are you going to see? Well, you want to see if you're still in the world. And what do we find in this world? One, we find, well, if it's not our own sin, we look around, we see a whole lot of other sinners. Yep, look at all these sinners. Uh, they, too, have sinful natures, and so we have a world uh, uh, full of sinners. What else do we find in this world? Yes, we find, uh, um, yeah. Uh, he's going to get to the devil in the third question, but in the second question, you would say, who? Not only the sinful other people, but, well, this sinful world, oh, the world itself has been subjected to sin. Uh, we have all kinds of, of trouble uh, in this world from sickness and death uh, to hurricanes and tornadoes to all kinds of things that are, well, a part of this world, we would say, even as um, uh, Adam was told that by the sweat of his brow, uh, well, yep, there's going to be thorns and thistles. It's not going to be a bed of roses, I guess. And so when we look around, we say, wow, I need that forgiveness. I need that strength uh, because I am always going out into this shadow of death and I need to be able to stand Third, he will certainly have the devil also around him. Third, he will certainly have the devil also around him. Who with his lying and murdering day and night will let him have no peace within or without. As the scriptures picture him in John 8 and 16, as the scriptures picture him in John 8 and 16, 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, and 2 Timothy 2. 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, and 2 Timothy 2. So, third thing, what should, uh, uh, if we don't, see our need and so desire, we say, listen, this is a help against the devil, who is, well, always around. Um, and what is he doing? He's lying to us. He's lying to us again and again. Um, yes, there are times in which the devil, you know, might uh, uh, go to extremes of, uh, of, of trying to convince people of devil worship, things of this sort. And most of the time, he simply uses lying. He takes what, what you have, and then he's just going to turn it, and he's going to turn it just enough. Um, he doesn't have to get you away from church. He's just got you to think that you are holier than thou, and you're here because you're so good. He says, fine, let him go to church then. Um, it's no problem having you listen to the word as long as you don't think that word has to do with you, you're always convinced it is someone else. Boy, I, heard, I hope they heard that preaching, Pastor, because so-and-so needed to hear it. 
then it's okay. The devil simply wants to lie. Uh, he wants to hurt and harm. He wants to create uh, uh, fighting amongst uh, people. This is what he is doing. And if this is what he is always doing out and around, well then, uh, we find that he desires that we might always be on edge, not have peace, peace in, in the conscience, peace inside, which comes from knowing the forgiveness of sins, or even the peace of, of the outward world. He creates the atmosphere. He creates uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the fighting and the bickering so that there is no peace outside. Uh, if someone harms you, get them back and, and hurt them. Uh, do it to them before they do it to you. And, and yet you go, why don't I have any peace? Uh, um, there is no forgiveness. There is but he's turned it just so that you don't have it. That's what the devil is doing. This sacrament teaches us about love of God and love of our neighbor. It teaches us how to deal with our enemy. It gives us the strength not to seek revenge, not to hurt and harm. And so uh, the scriptures picture this uh, devil as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But with the truth that God says, you are my child, come and receive, come, come to my table and receive the forgiveness of sins, my, my son's body and blood, uh, and know that you are saved, that I am with you, and that you can call upon me and help. And so here is what he has uh, provided. The note on my uh, catechism says, these questions and answers are no child's play, but are drawn up with great earnestness of purpose by the venerable and devout Dr. Luther, both young and old. Let each one pay attention and consider it a serious matter. For St. Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 6, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Well, here's the God who has given us the command, uh, the promise, the encouragement, and uh, he wants us to receive it. Uh, these would also be a very good thing to uh, occasionally get out if you're sitting down waiting for Lord's Supper to begin, uh, to go through these questions to remind yourself. Anything else? All right, that's seven. I'll light the candles. We'll begin. Page 224, please stand. Open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. 
and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is God's word. Hymn 97. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred hand for sinners such as I? Was it for sins that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond decree. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in. When God the mighty maker died for his own creature's sin, thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. But tears of grief cannot repay the depth of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. All right, last week uh, we had uh, two long chapters. We at least dealt with the first part of Matthew 27, uh, verses 1 through something. Uh, after Jesus had died, uh, they, um, they said uh, the Jews wanted the bodies off of the crosses. Uh, they didn't want them up there on the Sabbath day. We said it often took a, a long time for the... Uh, person to, in effect, suffocate uh, in his own uh, uh, lungs and all, on, on the cross. So they went to, uh, to check. Uh, they broke the legs of the soldiers that would prevent them, or the soldiers broke the legs of the uh, thieves, those who had murdered in the uprising, so that they couldn't push up with their legs anymore. That would have hastened their death uh, rather quickly. They got to Jesus and saw, it sure looks like he's already dead. 
So did they break his leg? No. No, they did not. <coughs> what did they do? Who knows? Liam? Yes, they put a spear into his side. Do you know what came out? What? Yep, but something else. And that was the telltale sign. And water came out. Where did the water come from? The lungs. That meant that his lungs had already filled up, he had suffocated. And so they said, when water and blood came out, they said, yep, he's already dead. No need to break his legs which was in keeping with what the scripture said, that none of his bones were broken. Knowing that he was dead, uh, one of the men, who was it, went to Pilate. Who went? Joseph of Arimathea, very good. Uh, Joseph goes to Pilate and asks for his body. Pilate says, what, he's already dead? Um, he has him check and says, yep, he is already dead. And so Joseph asked for his body. Joseph was a rich man. In fact, he had his own empty tomb. It hadn't been used yet. No one had uh, died. Normally, they would reuse a tomb. Uh, you would put a body in there uh, in the hot Middle East. Uh, all it took was about three months, uh, six at the most. Um, you would take the uh, bones that were left. You would move them over, put them in a sarcophagus, in a, a small box and set it off to the side, and you could bury someone else in there. Joseph had one. He was a rich man. He wasn't going to reuse someone else's tomb, and so he had his own tomb there. Uh, he buys some linen and some, some spices, uh, takes it back. They take the body down. His tomb is close by. They wrap up his body, put some spices with it, and they put his body in the tomb. Who helps Joseph do that? Who was at the foot of the cross? Who was at the foot? Mary, Mary was, his mother. Anyone else? Joseph? I guess Joseph was. No, most likely he has died because he is not mentioned at all. Um, and that is why Jesus, while he is hanging on the cross, says to, who's the other one? says to John, who is his apostle, here is your mother, and to Mary says, here is your son, meaning you take care of her because Joseph was gone and now Jesus is gone. So uh, he is already in love looking after his, um, his mother. So we got at least Mary and John. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother changed his up, right? Yep, yep, exactly. Um, we don't know exactly how many of the women. Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Nicodemus as well. Um, so we've got, a, we've got a group, most of them are the women, but we do have John and Nicodemus and some of these others uh, that are at the foot of the cross. Uh, they, in effect, take the body down, carry the body over, uh, do a quick, quick job of, well, you might say, trying to wipe off the blood. Were they ready for this? No. Um, what Joseph was able to grab, they quickly wrapped Jesus up in, in uh, cloth and, and put him in the tomb. Why are they doing this quick rush job? Why are they doing it? He died three hours before the Sabbath. He died three hours before the Sabbath is over. Hmm. He dies at what time? 
3 o'clock on? On Friday. When does the Sabbath begin? At sundown, or about 6 o'clock on Friday night. It goes from 6 o'clock Friday night to 6 o'clock Saturday night. We always think of, well, there's Monday morning on Monday night. The Jewish reckoning was there was evening and there was morning the first day. So just like in the book of Genesis, they always put the evening before the morning. Okay, um, that's the way they did it. So they wanted to get this in because on the Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to do any work. And it was getting dark. They wanted to get back into town, get back to where they were. Um, and that's what needed to happen. So they quickly do that. What else happens to the stone at the tomb? Well, you put a stone in front of it. You don't want uh, any robbers or something, lest you have buried jewels in there, rings or something like that. Um, you also don't want any animals getting into a uh, funeral. Um, what else happens? A watch is set on it. A watch is set. And probably seals because they want to make sure that nobody had opened it. And they make a seal. They come to, uh, uh, the Jews come to Jesus, or come to Pilate and say, um, we're afraid that they are going to come and steal the body and take it away and tell us he rose from the dead and that would be terrible. And uh, Pilate has about had it with, um, with them. And he says, I, you know, I'm not giving you any soldiers. In effect, get out of here. But he says, you've got soldiers. Uh, of course you do. Go and secure the tomb. Go and fix it up. Put a seal on it. Do whatever you want. And that's what they do. They set guards there. And they put a seal on the tomb to make sure that it is not to be moved or tampered with. And uh, then they would know. Uh, but again, this is the Jewish guards that are, are providing this. All right. Um, Saturday? Not much happens. Um, Friday night, it does say that the women uh, gathered spices, bought some spices, things of that sort. Um, uh, actually, let me say that again. Friday night, they got back. Saturday at about, you know, I don't know what you would say, it was, it was pretty common, let's say 5.30. <gasps> the Sabbath is over, but all of a sudden the stores open up for 30 minutes to provide. The women run out, quick get some spices, take it back and prepare it so that they're going to go back to the tomb. When are they going to go back? Sunday. Sunday. They're going to go back Sunday morning. In fact, they're not even going to wait until it's completely risen. Uh, if you read the various accounts, some say, well, it was still dark. Some say that. Others, when they get there, somewhere along the way, you know, they're, they're anticipating and they want to get there and want to get there as soon as possible. What do they want to do? They want to finish up the burial job they, met, they didn't have time to do properly to get with. Yes. And you want to get this done quickly because it will stink. Decomposition, and it's already been one day, and you want to get there before the heat of the day, and you want to get this done. This is their Lord and Savior, and they want to make sure that he is given a proper burial. And so that is what they are going to do. When you come to our text, you have them when the Sabbath was passed. So uh, the Sabbath is passed. is actually at 6 p.m. Sunday, but you don't go out after dark 
uh, um, lest you get robbed and things of this sort. They're going to go out first thing in the morning. They had bought spices that they might come and anoint him. They get up then, Sunday morning, first day of the week. They come to the tomb when the sun had risen. Oh, who will roll the... What happened? They had forgotten. There is a stone. What happens? Uh, there is a cylinder. Um, it's a round uh, uh, stone, kind of flat on both sides, but round like this. It's put in a groove. It is rolled up the groove. Whenever, and you stick a stick in it. When you pull the stick out, it rolls down to the bottom, and it covers the uh, doorway. And so who's going to do this? When they did it, it didn't take a whole lot. You pull the stick out, it rolls down, and it was done on Friday night. But Sunday morning, um, you know, we've got four women, maybe five, that are all going to the tomb. Liam, who's going to roll the stone away? It's already been done. They didn't know this. Interesting enough, what else didn't they know about? Well, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's probably the most important point. I was thinking of some other minor points. They didn't know about the guards. They didn't know about the seal. <laughs> um, evidently, that happened afterwards. But, so, they go. Um, who's going to roll away? We don't know. What is this? Well, let's get there and see what we can do. When they get there, it is rolled um, away. We find from the other Gospels that this stone, which was in its groove, it's not that it was rolled up and a stick put in it. It's actually rolled out of its groove. It's thrown down, you would say, on the ground, and it is out of its groove. You would say it is a very um, violent, not something that, you know, obviously if the women are concerned about moving it, this is something that would have taken several men in order that the stone might be rolled out of its groove and lying down flat. In the other Gospels, uh, I think it's Matthew, you have uh, the angel sitting on it which kind of fits with, if you happen to have a flat stone that's rolled down, it's just about perfect for sitting on. And the angel is sitting there waiting for uh, the women to come. They looked up, they saw it had been rolled away, for it was very large, and entering the tomb. There's a front area, an area in which uh, you would prepare the body, um, uh, and then you go down through a small area, kind of a two-foot by two-foot hole, that would go into the tomb area where there would be, uh, you might say, like a bench cut out of the rock, and you would lay the body uh, as it had been prepared on that slab, uh, as, as it was. Um, and often, if there was you know, a large tomb, you would have several places where you could, you could put bodies. Uh, they go in. And they see a young man clothed in a long white robe. What about this man in a long white robe? Well, I, how come you think it's an angel? It's in a long white robe. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Michael was an angel? Come on. No. <laughs> now, Luke, and I'm, I'm kidding you, right? 
But, you know, the women get in and they go, oh, no, we're in the wrong tomb. What do you think? Could they have gone to the wrong tomb? And, and all of a sudden, you know, the one next to it had the stone, and they go to this one, and, then, and the stone's rolled away, and they go in, and, and it's an empty tomb, and, and by mistake, they think Jesus rose from the dead, when in fact, they just got the wrong tomb? Is that possible? Huh? Google Maps took them to the wrong spot? It would have been fine if he didn't talk to him. What else do we know? When he was put in there, who was there? They were. This is not a matter of getting wrong directions or things. They know exactly where they put Jesus. And so they go right back to the exact place. And you're right, this is an angel, and that's normally the way angels are described. Um, angels are always men. At least they have a male. I know angels are spirits, but they're always given a, a, a male uh, name. Uh, they are those who are... Um, white robes are always a symbol of purity, a symbol of, of a messenger of God who has been sent. Um, we also have uh, that, that they are often um, uh, like a, a military, like a soldier, uh, dressed in, in, in soldier material. So, so here we have, they go in, they see a, an angel. Uh, he's sitting on the right side, and it... They're alarmed. They're scared. They're frightened. Why? What is? It's an angel. Why are you scared of angels? Um, the scriptures do in the Old Testament describe them as sons of God. You are exactly right. Um, yes, these angels are holy. And whenever a sinner comes in the face of someone holy, someone who has been in God's presence, um, there is always fear. There is alarm. Have you come to show me my sin? My sins are already now visible. I don't have to... Uh, um, and then, um, what is the message that is being brought? Next thing, we're in a tomb with an angel and the glowing. And there is no body. He said to them, do not be alarmed. All right, concerning angel uh, visits, what is the usual protocol? Angels show up, people get scared. The angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, yep, happens almost every time. All right, so um, their response is one of, of, of fear. He says to them, you seek... Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He tells them exactly why they're there. He knows why they're there. He's been waiting for them so that they, he might give them a message. You're looking for Jesus. In fact, not just any Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, that Nazarene Jesus, the one who was the forsaken one. In fact, you're looking for the one who was crucified. He says, he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. If you go into a tomb and you see an empty tomb, do you think, oh, somebody's risen from the dead? Not usually. You would think that since that 
Exactly. Okay, so we think that something's gone on. Something, what's, what's going on with this? He says, no, he is risen. He has come back to life. The next thing he tells the, the angel tells the women is, look at the place where they laid him, right? Check out the place. Um, see the place where they laid him. What would they see when they looked upon this stone shelf cut out of the wall? He would see the burial clothes. Now, when we say burial clothes, we don't mean a three-piece suit and tie. We mean the cloth which had been wrapped around him, it would have been as if the body simply, well, disappeared or left it, and the clothes went, and that's the way they are. They would look there. Now, if you're going to steal a body, where are you going to have the grave clothes? With the body. You don't unwrap the body and take the body. No, you grab the body with the grave clothes and you take it and you go. When you look there, you go, oh, the grave clothes are right there. In fact, what else does it say? You remember the other part of the grave clothes? The face garment is, in effect, taken off, folded up, and laid off to the side, um, like Mary taught him to make his bed. There is no, when you look at this, even though the stone looks like there has been great uh-oh, fighting and, and, and violence. The graves closed themselves, not at all. Um, you know what? Um, when we talk about a shroud, that's exactly what we mean, that kind of thing. Um, that face cloth would have been the shroud or, or, or the thing that, that was an effect on it. Um, we usually call that a corporal, but um, there's a couple things. I don't know what angel it was. I'm sorry I don't. Most of the time, Gabriel shows up. You're right, and, and he says his name and who he is. Well, we will find from several of the accounts of the scriptures that um, there was an angel outside, there were two angels inside. Um, sometimes, like Mark only tells us about the one that spoke to us, but we find out from the other gospel there was actually two in there. Evidently one spoke, the other one didn't. There's some other things that, that we don't know. So to just say there's one angel or to know it's Gabriel, we just don't know. We don't know. All we know is that the angel uh, is there to explain. You've got to have an explanation. It's not known when you see an empty tomb. You have to have a witness, someone who says, here's what happened. You have to have the evidence. You have to point out, let me tell you what this means. What does this mean? God comes and says, that's what this means. In the same way that coming to receive Lord's Supper, what is it? It looks like bread and wine. God tells us that's what this means. It's the body and blood of Christ for forgiveness. So um, there needs to be an explanation that goes with it. We have that expl explanation. He says, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. And so he tells them, uh, after you've checked this out, I've got a mission for you. I am sending you back to the apostles. I am sending you back to the men. Why? They slept in. They didn't come. The women were devoted. They got up. They came. The men said, I don't know. What? It's all over. We're done. Leave it to the women. I don't know. Um, it's embarrassing for the men. 
More than that, um, the women who are the first witnesses of the uh, empty tomb and the ones who are coming, apostles are supposed to be sent ones. The women are sent to the sent ones to let them know that Jesus has risen from the dead, to which the response of the apostles are, we don't believe. Foolish women, what's going on, right? Um, we do find out in, uh, in the other one that um, uh, Peter, or John, Peter and John run to the tomb. They do look in, they don't see. They come back going, something has happened, but they don't know from the scriptures just exactly. Um, they believe insofar as uh, they have seen, but there still needs to be the teaching. They should have believed on the basis of the word of the women, uh, but they do not. So they went out quickly, they fled from the tomb, they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That is, they said nothing to anyone along the way. They had a mission they had to go to. This was not a mound for stopping and gossiping and talking. They went straight to them to tell them what the angel had said. The angel says, I will see you, I will go before you. Uh, this is what will happen. What he's describing is the ascension day in Galilee uh, that is going to happen. Jesus does appear, though, to the women. He does appear to Mary Magdalene. He does appear to all the men on Sunday night. We'll begin to see that with the Easter uh, gospel readings over the next few Wednesdays. Jesus' resurrection is a foretaste of what we will receive. Through our baptism into Christ, we too will rise from the dead and our bodies uh, will come forth out of the grave when Christ returns uh, with the trumpet and he brings us uh, back. In our baptism, we talk about a daily dying to sin and rising to new life. And so uh, Easter often is a time of speaking about our baptism into Christ. How, having been baptized into Christ, we've been baptized into his death so that we will also have a baptism into his resurrection. We will rise again as he has. And so Jesus' resurrection is the proof. In fact, um, of all of the things that have happened, it says that the resurrection uh, is the ground of our faith. Uh, that is, it is the proof that the sacrifice on Good Friday was accepted. And so you see that. How do I know? I know I will live because Jesus lives. Or why do I gather on uh, a Sunday? Because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead, and I too will rise from the dead. So it is always put back upon uh, the resurrection. It was accomplished on Friday, but the resurrection is the announcement, the proof, the telling uh, uh, that uh, we know. Yes. Um, we know he laid in the tomb from, what, Friday at 6 or so until sometime, you're right, before the women came. Um, other than that, we don't know. Um, it's less than, what would that be, 36 hours or something? Um, three days, part of Friday, all day Saturday, and, and some of Sunday, but... Okay. Prayers this evening. We'll be using our blue sheet. All right, please stand.
Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 143, and we'll stop short of the glory of Patri. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your words. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. to do your 
my God. Your spirit is good, lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness, save my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. The Lord be with you. And Let us pray. Grant, we implore you, Almighty God, that we who celebrate your Paschal feast, kindled with heavenly desires, may ever thirst for the fountain of life, Jesus Christ. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us uh, the proof of our resurrection and that trusting in Christ, we know that our sins have been buried with him and that they will uh, not keep us, uh, but instead you will receive us as sons of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The final petition. O most loving Father, who will us to give thanks for all things, and to dread nothing but the loss of thee, and to cast all our care upon thee, who cares for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal, and which thou have manifested unto us in thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.